What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Nick and John podcast. Nick, I believe we are at episode number five. How did we get here? Yep, I don't know. We uh, we really, really worked hard at this. There, that doesn't include the lost episode, by the way. Not the one about lost, but the <laughs> lost episode. So imagine not only was there the lost episode, but there actually was an episode about lost, and it was just dedicated all to the show. In 2019, I mean, people are dying to hear our opinions on lost. So I assume that's why it really sucks that one never got out there. If you want an episode all about Lost, the Lost Lost episode, hit us with the DMs. Um, again, it's Frey Nick on Instagram and Twitter. It's uh, John Schneider 24 on yeah. Instagram and Twitter. And let us know if that's something you want to hear because we're here for you. We're here for the good times. And uh, let's jump right into it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, right before we jump in, how was your week? Did you have a good Mother's Day? Oh, yeah. No. Um, yeah, week was good. Um, I'm actually off from work this week. Um, my girlfriend and I are doing, uh, well, you know, Jody, if anyone's out there who doesn't know Jody, Jody, um, <laughs> right? Um, we're doing, uh, it's funny because she's going to listen to this and she's like, oh my God, I wasn't mentioned in the podcast. Um, we're doing a little staycation. So we actually today went to the old port, had lunch there, walked around. We actually went to a rooftop terrace, had some drinks there. Um, been a good week. Mother's Day was nice. Uh, had brunch with my family, dinner with hers, and uh, yeah, no complaints. It's nice outside today, so how could I? Yourself? It was very nice. Had a nice walk with my mom and hey. uh, walked around, and it was beautiful outside. So finally getting there. <laughs> and I think we said a couple podcasts ago, which was like last month, that we were finally getting there, but we're still almost there. For anyone who's not in Montreal, we're almost there. It's really uh, funny. Um, that day, I think, was really nice. And then it went complete shit after that. Like, it was like raining cats and dogs. I think it hailed one day since then. Um, yeah, we're, we cannot talk about weather. I think that curses everything. But uh, yeah, and then we went for dinner and uh, nice uh, into Saint Saison. It was nice. Hey, that's my favorite good. sushi place. So I love that. Okay, well, it was very good. And uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. And now I'm excited to get back into this. So one of the things, you know, we always like to talk about pop culture, what's happening in the news right now. So when we were brainstorming about things to talk about, nothing, you know, we're not going to get into too much, but I thought this was an item of note. So if anyone is recording a podcast about pop culture in May of 2019, this is something that's interesting. So you were a big fan of Arthur, right? Loved Arthur. The books, the show, um, the theme song is a constant uh, loop. (laughs) Yeah, see, I was, I, like, I liked Arthur. I was never the biggest Arthur person. I don't know, uh, maybe I don't remember that I was, but I never found myself to be. But I, I actually only remembered yesterday that he was an aardvark. Oh, hilarious. So it's funny, he actually initially used to look completely different. Um, I don't know if that's what aardvarks actually look like, or he was actually supposed to be an anteater in his initial days, but he used to have this long, long nose in the old school books. And then they kind of, I think, reformatted him because they realized he's a little, like, not kid friendly yeah i used to actually um when we used to have scholastics at school you know we used to order the books i used to order arthur books and i would get every single arthur book every single month it was awesome right well uh i mean always been a classic with most of our friends and everyone knows arthur and everyone knows mr ratburn on arthur yes and apparently on the last episode of arthur i haven't watched in a long time so i don't know what's going on what the storylines are but apparently mr ratburn came out as gay Mm -hmm. and had a gay wedding on arthur and for a lot of people this was a little controversial because certain people felt like this was 
potentially, you know, promoting an agenda on a kid's TV show to get it off the bat. I, I think this is wonderful. I think yes. that. Yes. Let's get that yeah. out of the open right away. This is yeah, great. I, I think it's great. Look, it's great. Um, it's great to normalize things that should be normal. So. Exactly. I don't think yeah. a kid should get to their adolescence and, you know, start kind of learning about these things. This would be something that when a kid at a young age is learning the um, core family and, you know, what makes up a family, they should know at a very young age, it's not necessarily a mother, a father. It could be a father, a father, a mother, a mother, just a mother, just a father. They should learn these things. And through shows like Arthur, which are clearly doing that, it's great. Yeah, I I totally agree. I, I think that the... Uh, so there was an interesting discussion about, because you remember, uh, you watched the Harry Potter movies, right? You just never read the books? Yes, that's it. Yeah, so it came out after the fact that uh, J.K. Rowling said that Dumbledore was gay in the Harry Potter books. And everyone was like, well, how come you're doing this? And it was a little controversial at the time because it was like, is this because there were actually no gay characters in the story? And so we're going to try and fit this person in to end up being gay and maybe they weren't in the first place or was the character always designed to be gay like what is the what what was the purpose of it and a lot of people are questioning that uh whereas in this case and i look and i think it's great and if if dumbledore was always intended to be gay that's fine whether he was or he wasn't i don't think that every story needs to we need to know everyone's you know sexual orientations Mm -hmm. which is part of the reason why you want to normalize everything because you just want it to be a natural thing. Like if this person is what it is, it's the story of Harry Potter wasn't is Dumbledore gay or not. And it basically had nothing to do with that. And the story of Arthur is not, is Mr. Ratburn gay, gay or not. But I do find it really interesting that, and, and really exciting that you can put this stuff in a child's TV show and not necessarily be overbearing as far as pushing an agenda. And I think that's really nice because I think this stuff should just be treated as like, Hey, this is normal. This is cool. Like you said, kids grow up in all different types of families and it makes it feel great without necessarily saying like, Hey kids, this is what it's supposed to be, or this is what it isn't supposed to be. If you have like this part of a natural storyline, then I think this is really great. And I think it shows that this should be in more shows and they should be thinking about things like this. 100% agreed. And I think it should be more on the agendas of you know, TV show creators or anything involved in media and content consumed by young children to help them understand that, you know, in anything in life, there's not just one way, right? And um, it's really funny because from what I understand, I've read the synopsis of the episode because it's interesting, you know, these kids are watching these episodes and the innocence of a child, they don't have an opinion. I mean, unless they come from some sort of house that's like really shoving their morals and values which would be wrong in this case on these types of issues to their children kids don't really have opinions on these things so it's like the innocence of a child right they consume it and they see oh wow okay men do get married oh okay women do get married funny enough also this isn't the first homosexual couple that is portrayed on arthur um they had a couple of lesbian couples on the show uh, during, I think it was Buster's uh, postcards. It was like a side series of the show. The point that I was trying to get at, though, in this episode with Mr. Rapper, and to go to show you the innocence of not only the kids watching, but the innocence of the kids in the show, Arthur and his friends, um, they were actually more upset when they thought Mr. Rappern was marrying a woman who was making his life miserable. That was what they understood of the situation when really the woman that they saw 
was his sister who wasn't actually making his life miserable, but she was actually uh, very concerned about details of the wedding and trying to help him organize it. Then when they found out, they actually went to the wedding to go stop it because they want their teacher to be happy. And then they saw him marrying this other man who the two of them looked so happy together that the students, Arthur and his friends, were so ecstatic about the whole thing and they actually stayed to celebrate rather than going to object, which apparently was their initial uh, intentions as if they as if it's their place to decide whether Mr. Rappin should marry anyone, right? Right. Yeah, so, so I, I actually didn't know that. I didn't know the, uh, the whole, like, those details in the storyline. So to, to kind of finish up this conversation, I had an interesting discussion with a coworker based on this whole thing about Arthur. And they were saying, you know how, like, a lot of people get sexual education in, or a lot of, a lot of kids get sex ed in yeah. elementary school or, like, early high school? I think we had like a really weird off-brand version of sex ed in grade five. Yeah, we had that. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to get into it. But we had that thing where we used to play games like Shake Your Buns, if you remember that. And we actually went to like a convention where a bunch of schools with this sex ed-esque program got together to play all these weird games. I think it was puberty awareness. That's what it was. It was puberty yeah, so I don't know. Is, yeah, I don't think the sexual education was centralized throughout the school system at that point. But mm. I think it's like a lot better now. It's like I think they, I hope so. I hope so because I think I think they actually showed us like a video of a woman giving birth. And do you remember this? <laughs> so I've actually told that story to so many people, and they are shocked every time that I tell them that a group of twelve-year-olds was put in front of a television to watch a woman give birth. You have to keep in mind this is something that some fathers don't necessarily stay in the room whether you think that's right or wrong but to show a 12 year old how messed up is that yeah i've never forgotten it so um but the (laughs) (laughs) but beyond that uh my point was yes that uh i think a lot of uh people in whether it's grade five six seven whether you're you know middle school or or elementary school depending where you live uh, a lot of people have sexual education and they were saying to me, well, I mean, isn't this an opportunity for also people to say in sex ed classes that they should be teaching a little bit more about like homosexual relationships? And, and I don't know that they don't do that because I haven't been in elementary school. But I was actually saying that um, in conjunction with conversations we previously had, I think that across like all school systems, there should be sex ed, but there should also be like sensitivity training too. Yeah. Because we were talking about a similar thing last week with the whole Kate Smith and the, the statue uh, stuff about how you know some people are a little less educated and they're not necessarily within other communities and they need to learn about different types of people and I think that this thing that's happening on Arthur is an example of sensitivity training where it's basically like you're desensitizing kids to things that may seem different than what they're used to and I think that's I, I hope that I'm using the right language but I think you get what I'm trying to say that that the you know we want to make it normal for normal everyday things you know we don't want to make kids feel like that's not like the normal or the right way to do things because there's so many different ways to do them. So whether it's on Arthur and you watch this on a children's TV show or it's like simply in school and you're learning about all different types of communities and backgrounds and people and sexual orientations, then I think that sensitivity training is just something that will help solve a lot of the issues we have in society today. So I know that's a big blanket statement, but I just think that's something that was an interesting discussion I had as a follow-up to what I saw on Arthur. No, for sure. And I think you're um, really hitting it on the nose there because, um, and it seems to be that a lot of the children's shows, because obviously these sort of things are things that people are realizing they want their kids to start to be exposed to because it's life. It is, you know, people aren't this one cookie cutter way. 
And it's better that kids understand that at a young age so it isn't seen as different or isn't seen as not the norm. It's just a part of life. And I think shows are starting to hop on that bandwagon because you have, I think it was two years ago or so, Sesame Street um, introduced their first autistic character. And I think the purpose of that is to show that, you know, not everyone is super outgoing and is as easily able to, whether it be make friends or just easily able to do things that everyone is able to do. And I think Arthur following suit and having characters that are gay, lesbian. I mean, clearly Arthur's been doing this now since 2005, apparently. I think it's amazing. And I think, like you said, it's uh, almost like a sensitivity training and kind of eye-opening. Because for a kid, going back to the innocence of a child, you don't know anything other than what you're exposed to. I mean, I remember I was talking to a friend last week saying something along the lines of, after elementary school, I realized there's other kids in Montreal. I mean, uh, the 52 kids that we had in our grade, those were the only people I knew other than friends I had at camp. But I went to a camp in Ottawa. So to me, other kids in Montreal just weren't a thing, right? until you go and meet other people you're exposed to other things so i think for kids who come from let's say a mother father household this is great because it opens their eyes that there are other households out there there's other norms out there as well and yeah look just mazel tov mr ratburn we're really happy for you we hope the honeymoon is great and kudos to arthur yeah, exactly. We're really happy for, for them. And I think the whole thing is we just want the next generation to grow up in a better world. So I think these are really nice stories to hear. But let's move on to something a little bit less serious, even though it's very positive. Uh, I would love to talk to you about something really crazy happened in the news with a new movie that's coming out. Oh, and boy. <laughs> the internet just went nuts. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? So whether we wanted it or we didn't, and most of us didn't, they are releasing a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. As a self-proclaimed nerd, I can tell you this is not something I ever expected to happen. Whether, even something I ever wanted to happen, Sonic, the video game, as many of you either know or don't, is a video game of this hedgehog. He kind of just runs and spins around and collects coins and, you know, he battles bosses by jumping on them pretty much. That's pretty much the extent of what Sonic does, what the Sonic world is. I mean, they made future games later for, you know, Nintendo Wii and all that, but the basic game for Sega was Sonic Runs. And they decided, we're going to make a movie about Sonic, about Sonic's origin story. You know, they're making a lot of live action movies now with a lot of characters that were not real life characters. I mean, they just came up with Detective Pikachu, which I think after you and I see that, we might have to talk about that one. A lot of live action Disney movies. And someone in the office building decided, hey, we should make a Sonic movie. And a room full of people decided, hey, that sounds like a great idea. So they released a trailer, I think, last week. And the internet, like you put it, went nuts. Because Sonic's really freaky looking. <laughs> Aside from this movie seeming like it is very stupid. I mean, I'm happy Jim Carrey's in it. Jim Carrey is playing the villain in this movie, despite not looking a thing like him. I believe it's Dr. Egghead. Um, was always a short, fat guy. Jim Carrey being the epitome of a tall, lanky guy. He's portraying that character. And Sonic is just with these small eyes and these extremely human-like teeth and these hands. I mean, Sonic always had gloves on, but he has these weird, furry, human-like hands. And 
I just felt uncomfortable watching it. The internet seemed to agree. John, I'd love to hear what you had to think about it. <laughs> it was really, you know, I'm listening to you talking about this whole story and I just had one trigger and it's when you started talking about Sonic's teeth. And I just just remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, this is not, this is weird. And I, I think, so funny enough, like, I, I don't, I think this movie was intended for kids, but this is like a really creepy Sonic. And I was like, I don't know if this movie was meant to be like a thriller or something like that, but I started watching it and it was weird. And uh, the internet obviously will find something and run with it. Yeah. But what's so funny about the whole thing is they're actually going back now and they're changing what Sonic looked like and they're going to change his you know I think the movie's supposed to come out in November so they still have months to change it but I was reading uh, and you would know this from video editing way better than me not that you necessarily created like <laughs> on video but uh, apparently you know these people are coming out these like VFX people who've done editing and they're saying like the amount of work that goes into creating these characters to like go back into the movie and change them is really, really difficult. Mm. So it's just, it's crazy that like you can release a trailer and then one controversy happens about like one little thing and then you have to go back and change everything. So I'm not really sure what else to say about Sonic besides uh, I really hope that they change this because as someone who grew up on these, you know, TV characters, and I wasn't the big... I think there was a Sonic show on Fox Box at one point. There was. It was him and I believe his cousins, two characters who, to my knowledge, were not a part of the video game series. Yeah, I think and one was pink. Pink and green, and Sonic yeah. was blue, and they fought crime by playing music. I believe one of them had a guitar, one of them had drums. Yeah, so I think that was my my exposure to Sonic for the most part. That was like my main thing uh, at the time. But for those, you know, people who grew up with this, they just want like good memories. And it's funny because when I saw the trailer for uh, the Pokemon movie, it's all the same thing. Like I personally, I don't know how you feel, but I don't care about, you know, they keep creating like new generations of Pokemon and like new storyline expansions of like dragon ball z and these shows that we like grew up with as kids but i just don't want them to ruin the main story and that's how that's i feel it. for my cartoons so like if they're gonna go and then they're gonna expose the original story of sonic the hedgehog and i don't really know what that is but if, if that is that's the plot for the movie and they're gonna like ruin it for kids that would suck because if it was for me it was like i know the how pokemon and digimon and dragon ball z like i know how those shows that i grew up with like all started and those are like stories that are like ingrained as my mind as like the bedtime stories that you learn as a kid even though you're like watching them on tv but so i i just you know i don't care if they change how sonic looks but i just hope that the plot line is okay and it really worried me when i saw what he looked like because i was like oh they may be changing who sonic is as a character for these kids so well 100 percent, and i mean for me and I can only speak on my behalf, something I look forward to in the future as a parent is I want to show my kids these shows and show my kids these games. And if my kid were to see what this abomination is first, I would never be able to get them to play a Sonic game for the life of me. So that's something I'm also worried about when they go and they remake these movies and they remake these shows. I mean, fortunately, I've thoroughly enjoyed every live action Disney remake so far but you know when you start treading with Pokemon and making that live action I mean I heard Detective Pikachu's funny but I need to check it out myself 
But yeah, they need to redo Sonic. I saw a photo of what it's apparently going to look like. It looks a lot more like the video game version, just live action. Why they didn't do that before beats me. But they're going to redo it. To your point, it's going to take so much time and so much tedious work to shot by shot remake this this character that's not there during the shooting. They're literally building him via special effects. So good luck to Paramount. I actually, while you were talking, I pulled up the trailer on Paramount Pictures' YouTube channel. The video right now has 370K likes. Very good, Paramount. But it has 659,000 dislikes. So... How many views on that Double. It has 30... 0.6 million views and the top comment is if you think sonic is fast wait till you see how fast this hits the five dollar bin at walmart yeah if this was uh, this would be like if blockbuster was still around this would be like the one thing that there's so much dust on when you go to blockbuster and it's yeah. just like nobody's taken rented that movie a million copies on the shelf they thought it was gonna be huge and no one rented it yeah in all seriousness i hope it does well i think this is gonna give the movie a lot of exposure so oh, everyone's gonna see it at the very least now so they're making money Yeah, for something they never asked for, but they got it, and I think that's cool. So good luck to Sonic and the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog movie. 100%. I wish them the best because, I mean, look, I I, I love Jim Carrey. I'd love to see him do well in this role. I love the game. I'd like to see it be a good movie. And I guess um, really quickly, the purpose actually of bringing up Sonic the Hedgehog, I wanted to know from you, what is a video game that you would like to see adapted into a movie in the hopes that they don't ruin it, but that you think would make a great movie? Uh, I think that uh, for those out there, it's a very niche choice, but Nick and I actually used to play this game called Paper Mario. I was hoping you would say Paper Mario. Yeah, yeah, I know. So that was, the, to me, the greatest game, the most fun game to play. And one that already had like an incredible story in the game. So that would be the one that I would pick for sure. Yeah, I mean, the storyline is so good in that game. And I think actually the gimmick of him being paper would actually translate really good to film. Like you have him kind of like, you know, whenever he gets hit and he kind of just like swooshes down and flops away. Like, I think it would be really good and they can do really cool things like with the sets, how they kind of just like always like plop up because plop down because it's paper. Great choice. For me, I got to go with Star Fox 64. Aside from Paper Mario and a couple others, Star Fox was always one of my favorite Nintendo games, still is one of my favorite video games to this date. The storyline's incredible. You know, um, he's in the Lilac Galaxy trying to avenge his father. He's going up against Andros. So I think that would translate great. I think as long as they don't make them look as creepy as they did Sonic, the live action can work really well with these characters. There's quotable lines, do a barrel roll is something a lot of people know. So I think people will be screaming that in the theater. So I'd love to see a Star Fox film. Yeah, that makes sense. And with Paper Mario, I mean, you have all these incredible characters. So I think those are two good choices. Let me flip this on you. Instead of asking what video game would you want to turn into a movie, do you have an idea of a movie that you would want to turn into a video game? Huh, okay. Oof. Um, have you thought of anything and you can get back to me? Yeah. So the one I was thinking of was, that was also one of my favorite movies is, is Ocean's Eleven. Uh, I think that, that would, would be, be the coolest video game. Just you have all these incredible actors and you could turn them into characters and then they're breaking into these 
three Las Vegas casinos. It is by far one of my favorite movies. And it's just so, so cool the way that they go about everything. Absolutely genius about how they break in. And uh, I just think that like for someone who loves, I'm not like a big uh, like Fortnite person or anything like that. But like I, I loved Goldeneye as a kid and the James Bond games. And I think that would be just like very similar in a similar vein. Yeah, I could see it very James Bond-esque, and that would be really cool to be, you know, any of those characters, whether it be um, Brad Pitt or... Um... Uh, yeah, George Clooney, uh, Matt Damon. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's... That's all of them, exactly. Yeah, there's um, just like basically every famous actor is in that movie at the time. Yeah, no, that would be great. I could see that, you know, the whole mission to rob the bank, and it would make good for the sequels. Um, while you were saying that, a movie flashed in my mind going back to our nostalgia. You know, you're talking Paper Mario. Out of left field, I think Recess Schools Out would make a magnificent video game. And I am not here joshing anyone. I'm a huge fan of the show Recess. John knows I loved the movie Recess growing up. I was a big, big fan. And I just think the premise of breaking into school, trying to stop the school board from taking away summer vacation, you know, whether you be TJ Detweiler, whether you be Spinelli, you could be all these different characters. I think this would have all the makings for a great video game, especially kind of like the old school style of video games, you know, kind of GameCube past Nintendo 64. Like, I don't know about now, I don't really play new video games, but um, I would love to play Recess Schools out for Nintendo 64. Makes sense. So we're going to move on and talk a little bit about basketball. I know we do it every podcast. We do it because it's the NBA playoffs right now, and it's a really exciting time. Right now, we're moving into the conference finals. we got a couple good matchups going on. But what I really want to talk about is something that you know we're going to be talking about for the next few months after the season is over. There's a few teams that lost in the second round of the playoffs that had some players on them with major, major storylines. Some people who, you know, players who had a lot of hype, a lot of chances to do big things in these playoffs, and they didn't come through. So I want to talk about who was the most disappointing player in the playoffs this year. For the most part, we'll talk about the second round of the playoffs. So the teams that lost, we obviously had Houston losing to Golden State. We had Boston losing to Milwaukee. We had Philly losing to Toronto. And then we had Denver losing to Portland. So let's start with what you think, who do you think is the most disappointing player in the playoffs so far? I got to give it to Kyrie Irving. I know um, based on a other podcast we did, it might sound that I'm somewhat of a Kyrie Irving hater. I think he's a phenomenal player. I think he's great. I think he's hit what is arguably the most clutch playoff shot of all time. But Kyrie Irving, man, have you disappointed me in the playoffs, and I think you are the most disappointing player. Do you want to give your pick before I go into why? No, no, go into why, and then I'm going to rant. I strongly believe at this point, and maybe you have another opinion, I think it's really down to whether Kyrie or Russell Westbrook are the most disappointing players in the playoffs. That's just my opinion. Um, And I got to give it to Kyrie because, A, I think this season Kyrie had a lot to prove after the whole wanting to leave the Cleveland to be the leader of a team. You know, he didn't really play much last year. And then to top it off, the fact of how well the Celtics did last year without Kyrie, I think it was up to him to show that he can take them even over that hump. He could bring them not only to the East, the Eastern Conference Finals, but he can actually win them a championship. I mean, you know, a lot of people said that they were actually potentially the only team that could beat Golden State this year if a team could beat Golden State. So for those reasons, 
I believe he was disappointing, but my main reason for why I believe Kyrie Irving was so disappointed, and this might be um, a bit taboo, this might be controversial to say, but I think Kyrie Irving went from the undisputed second best point guard in the league to the third best point guard in the league. I think Damian Lillard is now without a doubt the second best point guard in the NBA. And that is why Kyrie Irving was the most disappointing player this playoff season. Yeah. So I see your point. And I think that, uh, so I'll start off by saying this basketball is a really interesting sport because unlike other sports, basketball is extremely personality driven. When we talk about teams that win or lose, we talk about the players who win or lose in the NFL. If your team loses in the playoffs and you had a really good regular season, more likely than not, we're going to talk about different factors that affected the game. It's a one-game playoff. There's a lot of luck involved. There's injuries in football. But in basketball, for the most part, the best team usually wins. And that's, that's a fact because seven games, you mitigate your luck as much as possible. It's not a one-and-done. Injuries are not as big as a part in basketball as they are in other sports. And frankly, it's not like hockey where the, you know, the puck can bounce the wrong way. You have a lot of control. You have agency over whether you're going to win the game or not. So if a team doesn't win and you are the best player on the team, generally you have a say in you guys losing. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the premise of my argument. Saying all that, to me, this is how we're going to be judging our players when they're done their careers. At the end of the day, if Kyrie retired tomorrow and James Harden retired tomorrow, I think we would still look at Kyrie Irving as a better player. So for him, you know, you said arguably one of the clutch, most clutch shots of all time. I yes. mean, I think Ray Allen was the most clutch shot of all time. But, <laughs> but beyond that, I think Kyrie won a championship. If you want to say, you know, you have this year more of an argument than ever to say that LeBron won him a championship. Because it just shows that Kyrie wanted his own team and he couldn't lead his own team. Doesn't mean he's never going to do it. He still has a lot of time. He's only, what, like seven years in the league. He still is a young player. And I think that he could still win a championship and he could still be the best player on a championship team. I do believe that. But so far, he hasn't proven it. He had his chance in Boston and he's probably gone from there. So I I get your point. But if we're really going to talk about the most disappointing player, I'm going to go back to James Harden. And... I'll start my rant on James Harden by basically saying that he will never have a better opportunity to win a championship than what he had this year. Kevin Durant goes down in game five. He has game six back at home. I know game seven is, you know, in Golden State and they are down 3-2 in the series. So hypothetically, if you're just going to talk about the fact that Houston is down 3-2, and if they had a you know, 70 to 75% chance of winning both of those games because Houston is the better team, that's still probably around 50% chance, 50-50, whether they're going to win it or not. But, I mean, for a team that took Golden State to Game 7 last year, didn't have Chris Paul, and they basically you know, bricked every single shot that they had in game seven last year. All I have heard for a year on sports talk radio is how if they had Chris Paul, they would have been golden state and golden state got lucky because they didn't have Chris Paul. And I always said, well, you know what? Like if they didn't have the Godala, I think that, you know, the more Houston shoots, the more golden state shoots, you know, you never know what would have happened. You can't control injuries and it is what it is. And I think that's a premise that something that you've told me many times, which is like, you have to talk about what actually happened and not what could have happened. Yeah. So I, I do buy that. But for all the people who are saying that Houston would have won, I cannot, I've never seen a player 
in basketball who plays so well in the regular season and is literally probably the best player in the world in the regular season and has such a bad playoffs. And it doesn't mean that every single game he does poorly. It doesn't mean that, you know, he drops down to just an average player. Like he's still an all-star in the playoffs, but he is not an MVP player. He's not the type of player that's going to win your team a championship. And frankly, if we're going to look back on James Harden's career, if he never wins a championship and look back to 2019 and say, that was the year, that was the year he could have done it. And if he would have, you know, won game seven at home, gone to Golden State, and they would have shot the lights out in game seven, and he would have lost a close game in game seven, like, okay, I'll give you that. Golden State's still a great team. It's not like it was just a huge advantage. But I cannot believe that they lost game six at home right after Kevin Durant got injured. To me, that was so disappointing and so crazy. And I think will affect James Harden way more than what will happen with Kyrie Irving considering that Kyrie Irving is on his way to free agency and will probably team up with somebody else and will probably win a championship somewhere down the line. I don't think James Harden ever will. For sure. And uh, I mean, no, not for sure. I mean, I understand where you're coming from. And I agree with a lot of the points you raised. But uh, to keep in mind, I don't think we're talking about necessarily what their legacy is going to be, how this is tainting their legacy. We're looking at who has had the most disappointing playoff run. And I think the discredit you are providing James Harden comes from the fact that he's a potential MVP this summer. I mean, it was pretty much a run between him and Giannis. I think at this point, it is more likely to go to Giannis as much as I would love to see James Harden win a second consecutive MVP award. But I think that's really where these feelings are coming from. I know Last season, without Chris Paul, they took it to Game 7. But I think we're also underestimating that this is the same core team that was Golden State Warriors in, what, 2015? You know, the core team of Steph Curry, of uh, Clay Thompson, Andre Iguodala, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut's back in the mix. I mean, this is a great core going against James Harden, an aging Chris Paul, Clint Capella, who unfortunately didn't show up to the best of his capabilities, PJ Tucker and Eric Gordon. I mean, as great as James Harden has played throughout the season, there's just no comparison. And I understand it was a very different player who showed up, but I think the player that showed up in Kyrie Irving was way more different than the guy we remember Kyrie Irving to be than the James Harden comparison. I mean, this is a guy who shot... Eight of what was it? It was it was I'm never gonna shoot uh, seven of twenty two again, and then shot eight of twenty two, if not the reverse order. I mean that's crazy, especially when you're the first option, especially when you're a guy who wants to lead his team. I personally believe, and I hear where you're coming from with James Harden. He should have been on my radar when I went and said it's either between Russell Westbrook and Kyrie Irving because James Harden unfortunately is on that list. But Kyrie Irving, man, I mean you just. I think in a lot of people's book dropped from the second best point guard to the third at the very most best point guard. And uh, that's saying something. I mean, it's really, it's Lillard time these days. And unfortunately Kyrie Irving can't uh, roll with the best of them anymore. I, I see your point about Kyrie. I, I think Kyrie had an awful season from the, to the point where now Boston is probably doesn't even want to keep him because it seems like the statistics show that, they play worse when Kyrie's on the floor. And yeah. 
frankly, he has not ever proven that he's going to be a good leader. But I guess what I'm just looking at is like, what you know, the East got stronger this year. And though I always felt like Boston could win the East, there were like four very solid teams. And I felt like it could have gone to any of the four of them. Like you could have made a case for any of the four of them. But the West was always about like, can Houston slay this Goliath in Golden State? And I just felt like if there was ever an opportunity, it was like the door was held open and James Harden went and like shut it. And I'm not trying to take away anything that, you know, Chris Paul didn't do because I think Chris Paul played horribly. I I think that Houston probably should have made that trade for Jimmy Butler which I think was something that I argued, argued with you off air about or discussed with you off air about, mm-hmm. which was, you know, there was a point where they were considering giving four first round picks for Jimmy Butler, which would have been insane. And it would have been a crazy trade at the time we were looking at it. And the question is, is like, how much do you want to give up to win a championship? Like what, what is the cost of winning just one championship? And if Houston would have won that one championship this year, is it worth losing all your first round draft picks in the next few years? Uh, I look at the Miami Heat, who have basically had no draft picks in the last five years because they gave them all up during their dynasty run. And, you know, I wonder if Jimmy Butler, the way he played in these playoffs, was playing for the Rockets. I wonder how that would have affected everyone else because. I bet you Daryl Morey, the GM of the Rockets, basically said, we don't need Butler because we trust Harden to get it done. And I just don't think you could trust him in the playoffs. So both very disappointing runs for Kyrie Irving and James Harden. But to me, the bigger storyline is this, you know, David versus Goliath, Houston versus Golden State. Like, well, they finally do it. This has been going on for a few years now, and he just couldn't get it done. Uh, definitely a big storyline, but I think this is somewhere where we disagree on this matter as well. Cause I think Kyrie Irving, him as a figure has gone past the realm of basketball. And that's in my opinion, I think people who don't even follow basketball at this point, know Kyrie Irving and whether that's solely because of the flat earth comments or because of the, like wanting to go lead his team or this whole pseudo genius thing that he has going on for him. So I think Kyrie Irving is just a lot bigger as a figure than James Harden, despite James Harden playing a lot better than he did this season. Um, So I think a lot of people were following Kyrie Irving's storyline. I think a lot of people were more invested because of how well the Celtics did last year and how this is a guy who said that he was going to go lead his own team and yet he kind of brought them to dismay. I mean, he kind of, you know, he like you said, he might not be there next year. He really shook it up there for the worse. And I think a lot of people were following that storyline, which is why I think that was the bigger of the two. But that's just my opinion. Yeah, and you're totally entitled to that. I would hope that people would let us know their opinions too, what you guys think. So, uh, I mean, that's cool. But, it, but it's very interesting how the playoffs are basically round by round as you get through them. It's just a series of disappointments. And, you know, we talked we talk about Russell Westbrook in the first round, about will he ever win a championship? Now we're talking about James Harden. Will he ever win a championship? Will Kyrie Irving ever win one again? Will he ever have his own team? You know, he's always, like you said, has always been advocating for, you know, wanting to be the number one guy. Will that be a thing? Um, You know, we're going to be talking, I guess, over the next, you know, few podcasts, potentially one day about Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. And, you know, is Ben Simmons ever going to develop into the player he needs to be? So it'll be very interesting to discuss and see what happens. I think it's always fun to talk about, you know, this time of the year as we're inching towards July 1st, basketball gets more and more exciting. 
in a way in the off season than it does during the season sometimes because mm-hmm. it's just like where are all these players going to go so i'm very curious i want to see number one are the rockets going to make a big move because now they know that they chris paul to. and james harden are not enough nope. you know the championship window is probably closing if they don't make that big move so they didn't go after jimmy butler i mean he is a free agent now so then they can they can talk to him and where is Kyrie irving going to go for sure. I mean, look, the last two seasons, especially two seasons ago, have been extremely exciting off seasons for the NBA. It's always fun to watch as a fan. And yeah, I think those are really two big questions. You know, what are the Rockets going to do? And what are the Celtics slash Kyrie Irving individually going to do? I mean, I know a lot of talk recently has been about him and um, KD teaming up to go to New York. Obviously, you and I have mentioned we'd love for them to team up in Brooklyn. But uh, yeah, I'm interested to see what both uh, parties do. Obviously, Houston has come to a point where they're stupid if they don't realize the team they have can't do it. That I'm not saying James Harden can't be the best player in your team, but he can't be if Chris Paul is the second best player. So I personally think they're going to get another guy. I think they're also maybe going to move Chris Paul. We'll see. But I think he's kind of past the point where he could be your second best player. And I think they're starting to realize that too. I think James Harden needs a little more help. And I'm excited for the offseason. Something I want to ask you on a note that I mentioned earlier, I made the controversial-ish statement that at this very moment, Damian Lillard is better than Kyrie Irving. I'm not saying he has had a better career. I'm not saying in the grand scheme of things, Damian Lillard is better the same way people will tell you right now KD is the best player in the league, meaning at this moment he is better than LeBron James, do you believe Damian Lillard at this moment is better than Kyrie Irving? I'm not sure what the right answer is, to be honest with you. I don't, I don't mean not to have a take here or, or you know, oh. be, be fancy Fencerton. But <laughs> the, I think that you know, Dwayne Wade just retired, and he was my favorite player. And I think Damian Lillard is my new favorite player. Yes. The way he plays, uh, so dynamic, so exciting. The two times that I've been watching basketball and I'm like, you know, falling asleep, I have a TV in my room, I'm watching some, some basketball and I'm like falling asleep. And Damian Lillard, twice in the last five years at the end of a playoff series, makes that dagger at the end of the series. Two times I've just jumped out of bed and, you know, like felt like I never felt like more of a man than when Damian Lillard, uh, you know, made that shot to win, the, <laughs> to win that series and you know it's just like it's just so much fun to watch him play and the truth is like I think Kyrie Irving is a more skilled player and I think that you know if you're just talking about one-on-one Damian Lillard versus Kyrie Irving I'm taking Kyrie Irving but you know as far as you know playing on a team you know being a leader you know the point guard is your quarterback of the offense a lot of times and I think that you have to look at what Damian Lillard has done this season, especially coming off last year where playing in New Orleans, he was literally shut down. They got swept in the playoffs. He was defended like crazy and couldn't produce anything. And he is a man on a mission. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's great. I, I really support him. And I think that you have a great case. I just think that the, the door the door isn't closed on Kyrie Irving still being the best point guard in the league. So he just has to turn it around and have a great year next year. And I think that if you're going to argue right now, based on this season, who's the better player, I'll give you Damian Lillard. I just don't think it's over. For sure. No, I, I agree that the door is not uh, closed. I mean, obviously you have 
Steph Curry is the undisputed best point guard in the league. I think that goes without saying. But then it comes down to who is this number two. And um, you said it very, very well by um, classifying him as a man on a mission. This is a guy who seems to always have that drive, always have that spark and determination. And he leads his team. It seems like everyone on that team highly respects this dude. Not only respects him, but respects the way he plays the game and the way he leads them. And it's amazing. And the synchronization between him and CJ, I was actually just watching an interview where they were actually having the same like gestures and movements at the same time. And I don't know if that was pre-planned or premeditated, but you could even see on the court how in sync these guys are. And when Nurkic is there too, and he just really seems like the ultimate role model. And I've actually been following him and he's been one of my players since he came in in his rookie season um this is a guy who was not highly anticipated due to the university that he went to but man has he grown i mean he came in his first season even here i'm actually going to pull up both their stats he came in averaging 19 points and 6.5 assists in his first season and that was actually on a pretty stacked Trailblazers team that had J.J. Hickson, LaMarcus Aldridge, Nicholas Batum, Wesley Matthews, and himself. So the fact that he was able to average such great stats, but what I want to look at real quick is on his career, Kyrie Irving has averaged, let me just pull up Kyrie Irving, 22.2 points, 1.3 steals, 5.7 assists, 3.6 rebounds. Now, Damian Lillard, on the other hand, has averaged 23.5 points. So that's about one more point. One steal, so a little less than the steals, 6.3 assists and 4.2 rebounds. Plus, and most importantly, Damian Lillard has led his team to a conference finals. Kyrie Irving can't really say the same. Again, I don't want to make the argument that Kyrie Irving has had, sorry, Damian Lillard has had a better career because we know up until this point, Kyrie Irving was the undisputed better point guard. But I strongly do believe for all of these reasons that we've discussed that Damian Lillard right now in this moment of the time is the second best point guard behind Steph Curry in the NBA. Yeah, and I think you could also make an argument in the regular season, at least for this year, that he was better than Steph Curry. So I think he's a great player and I'm happy to pass the favorite player torch from Wade to Lillard. I, I love, uh, I love the way he plays. I think they're going to get crushed in the playoffs now, but I think that I love the way he plays and I'm happy to, uh, to support him as he moves forward in his career. I just think that, you know, Kyrie still has time to turn it around and we'll see what happens. I think he's still developing as a player and as a, as a man. So we'll see what happens. God bless. Okay. All right. So let's move on from the NBA. And Nick, I think you wanted to talk to us today about superpowers because Marvel's Endgame just came out and I know you're a big Marvel person. So tell me what you got for us. Huge fan of Marvel. As you know, Endgame has shattered box office records. I'm looking here now. I think it has worldwide avengers infinity war has grossed over two billion dollars worldwide something of 1.5 billion within the opening weekend it's just insane everyone right now has avengers madness so i thought in honor of that we can kind of discuss what we believe to be the best superpower or at least the superpower that we would want to have the most doesn't necessarily need to be the best um so what i have here is i made eight matchups, 1v1. Each of them has two superpowers competing against one another. 
And I'm going to ask you and you're going to let me know which superpower you would rather have and why. Yeah, that's easy. I know we're, uh, are we discussing which superpower we're going to send to the aliens or we're just going <laughs> to, yeah, so let's, uh, let's get into it. All right. So first off, I have ice breath. So the ability to breathe and freeze things versus heat vision, the ability to melt things with your eye rays. So I think that the, you know, we're, we're looking at what these superpowers could do in everyday life almost, because I assume that I'm not fighting evil right like this we're talking about like which are the most practical um look however you want to you want to use them maybe you want to use them in your day-to-day to to just be that prankster with superpowers or maybe you want to go enlist in the military and go fight bad guys whatever you want to do with them okay well i mean like i'm the closest thing to a human lizard so i love (laughs) i I love heat uh i'm definitely going to go with the heat vision uh if you want you know icy cold breath you know you can always just pop in uh like a pack of five gum but if you want to heat something up, you know, maybe you're hungry, maybe you don't feel like using the microwave. There's many applications and practicalities for this heat vision. So that is something that I would pick. Great explanation. I actually didn't think of it that way. Um, to give further context, what John means is John loves the heat. John actually doesn't sweat. Um, we have proclaimed before that John simply glistens. I have known John now since I was six years old. I have yet to see him sweat and that is not exaggeration. So when I play sports, I can sweat. I'm not saying that it's a matter of lack of effort. I'm saying just, I don't know. I've seen you, I've never seen you drenched in sweat. I think your body is just accustomed to naturally being hot, but that is neither here nor there. We can get into that in another podcast. I'm going personally with ice breath. I loved your explanation. And I think the thing that I would now do to what you said, want heat vision for the most would be just to heat up my food. But I'm thinking of the bigger picture. Now I'm thinking of back when we were in elementary school and high school, imagine being able to single-handedly shut down school for the day by just going and freezing the roads. You are making the roads undrivable. And Therefore, you cannot go to school. Or imagine when we used to do slip and slides at camp or at school, being able to make the ultimate slip and slide just by breathing. I think that's the coolest thing. I'm going with ice breath for the fun that you can have with it. Yeah, I just worry you're going to cause some accidents with that one. But yes, no, I I definitely understand your points. And I know that that's not the goal. But uh, let's move on to the next two. Yes. So the next two are telekinesis. So the ability to move things with your mind versus mind reading, the ability to read other people's minds. Oh, so the answer here has to be reading other people's minds. Because you're all, I mean, that's a natural inclination. That's human nature is you're just looking to figure out what other people are thinking. And you want to know, you know, when you're walking by someone, like, what are they thinking about you? So that is definitely my argument. I mean, moving stuff with your mind, you can move stuff with your hands. Yeah, it's cool and everything, (laughs) but... I'm going to go with mind reading. Uh, First of all, I am very disappointed that you would compare telekinesis to literally picking something up. Two very different things. Telekinesis is way cooler. I see where you're coming from. I got to go with telekinesis because I think that would drive me crazy. Imagine knowing every horrible thing anyone ever thinks about you. And yes, although in the moment you might think you want to know these things, I think in reality you wouldn't. And I mean, not only about yourself, but every sad thought that everyone has, knowing that would have to take some sort of mental toll on you. 
I'm going telekinesis, going back to the whole fun of it. I mean, remember being a kid and aha, uh-huh, pulling your chair out before you sit in. Imagine being able to do that with your mind. Or imagine looking at someone across from the cafe and looking at how scared and in shock they are when you're lifting their salt shaker with your mind and they have no idea what is going on. I think you can have so much fun with that. I don't want the mental health repercussions of knowing what everyone is thinking. So I'm going with telekinesis. I just find there's so many situations where people are thinking something. I'm like, I really want to know what you're thinking right now, but I'm not like walking around. I'm like, Ooh, I really wish I could lift up that boulder right now. So that's why I just feel strongly about it. But imagine how impressive someone would be on a first date if they could. But moving on to the next one, we're going to go with metal manipulation. So somewhat of a magneto from X-Men, you can manipulate metal, you can bend it, you can move it, you can do anything with it versus animal communication. So kind of a hybrid of Squirrel Girl meets Aquaman where you can literally communicate with animals and they will do your bidding. So again, that's metal manipulation and communicating with animals. My answer for sure for anyone who knows me is communicating with animals, not for them to do my bidding, but for just to make more friends. I think that, you know, I love animals and I think that they're great and uh, it goes along with the mind reading. I mean, if I can mind read people, I hope that I can mind read animals too. But this, uh, yeah, I would definitely choose the animal thing. I, I don't think that bending metal serves me any purpose. A hundred percent. See, I'm happy we came to an agreement on one of them so far because, um, Look, if I was going to go fight crime, if I was going to go be an X-Men, I would take metal manipulation because Magneto has gone to show us in the comic books, in the movies, that this is one of the most powerful powers you can have. You could do so much with it. I mean, this is a guy who can literally lift up stadiums and lift up tanks and submarines. He can manipulate bullets when they're shot at him. So if I was going to go fight crime... This is what I would pick, but in Nick Frey's day-to-day life, I got to go with communicating with animals for the exact same reason you said. I mean, not necessarily to read their minds, but to communicate with them. Uh, I would love if we were hanging out at your house, and John's dog's name is Alfie, by the way, and I could just know what what's up with Alfie. He could tell me what's going on, if he's liking the show we're watching, if he wants to go for a walk. That would be so cool to me. The ability to just say, come dogs and they all just run up at you that would be so much fun i'm going with animal communication as well what's up with alfie would be a great show by the way yes (laughs) yes what's up with alfie um let's make it happen if anyone's listening from netflix hey we got a great idea let's make it happen hit us up next up we got invisibility versus the ability to shrink or grow yeah, no, I'm, what was the first one again? Invisibility. Yeah, that's definitely the one I'm going to pick. I think that that's so much more practical. Similar with the mind reading, it's just fun. That actually won't make you go insane. That you can just pick and choose conversations that you want to hear uh, that you wouldn't otherwise hear. And ever since, you know, we talked about Dumbledore before <laughs> with Harry Potter, the invisibility cloak. That's just the coolest thing. I mean, everyone wants an invisibility cloak. So that would be my choice. 100%. Um, for every reason you gave for my reading, I'm going to give for invisibility. It's a non-damaging way to yourself of knowing what other people are saying about you, of you know, learning new things, of kind of just being the ultimate spy, as Harry Potter used the cloak, to your point. 
I got to go with invisibility. I mean, look, if you could shrink it to an extent being invisible, I mean, no one would see you, but like, do I care to be 30 feet tall? Not really. So I'm going with invisibility, not even for the perverted reasons that little 14 year old boys want to be invisible in a locker room, literally just for the reason to spy and to know what's going on and to, you know, just be a fly on the wall, but an invisible fly. (laughs) So I'm going invisibility as well. Yeah, I agree. Next up, we got super speed versus super strength. So interesting enough, the flash has always been one of my favorite superheroes. So I, I got to go super speed. I love the ability. It's so practical to be able to go anywhere in the world that you want to go very quickly uh, to escape situations you don't want to be in, to be able to see things in slow motion. I, I think that's super speed is great to have. Super strength, also cool, but not as cool as super speed. So you know what? I actually, funny enough, um, when asking the question, I was thinking super strength. Jody and I, for anyone listening who doesn't know Jody, my girlfriend, we were taking apart a basketball net the other day that was super rusty and the parts were kind of all like clenched together. I really wish in that moment I had super strength. But to your point, I mean, with super speed, everything's in slow motion. And I kind of believe that you can get away. I mean, you can win any race that you ever wanted to win. And I actually believe, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're a big fan of the Flash, that super speed to an extent imply super strength because you're moving so fast that let's say your punches are accelerated by like a million so yeah i think i gotta go with super speed because not only would it be fun not only would be impressive but it kind of harnesses super strength in itself and think about how much quicker you could have taken apart that basketball net if you had super speed Good point. Exactly. How much quicker I could do everything. I mean, imagine how quickly you could do your morning routine, making your bed, brushing your teeth, getting dressed, getting your coffee and out the door. You'd be at work within like two minutes. Yeah, I agree. So we're both going to agree on super speed. Now, second to last matchup, I got being able to control thunder and being able to control water. So kind of Thor-esque where you could shoot thunder from the sky, you could shoot thunder from you versus kind of Aquaman meets other superheroes that we have seen where you can control the tides. I mean, let's add it even further where you can control water coming from pipes, just the ability to control water. So I think that there's not a lot of practicalities for being able to control thunder in day-to-day life. I know that I love summer and I love a good thunderstorm. Even when I'm trying to go to sleep sometimes in the middle of summer, I've actually, when I couldn't fall asleep before, I've turned on like an ASMR of thunderstorms before. (laughs) So So, I'm saying, yeah, like I love thunderstorms, but that would be the only practicality. I mean, I think that beyond that, I think water, being able to move water, being able to create an ocean or a beach wherever you want it so you can do that. You know, you're always thirsty. You can get water whenever you want. I just think there's a lot of practicalities for being able to control water over thunder. Um, Great point. And I think what I was saying earlier about the metal manipulation versus communicating with animals uh, with this matchup here. If I was going to go be a superhero and I was going to go fight crime, then yes, being able to control thunder would be a great power to have, would probably help me in my day-to-day of avenging the fallen. But I don't want to do that. I'm Nick Frey. I want to live my day-to-day Nick Frey life. I agree with you that I think 
being able to control water would be super practical. It could be super fun. Imagine like you never even need to go to the pool because you can literally create a body of water. You could stand it up. You could swim in a borderless pool. You could be the hose that you do not have. You can get a drink of water if you ever needed it stranded in the middle of the desert. So for all those reasons, I'm going with controlling water and I'm starting to realize why Aquaman is actually a way cooler superhero than I ever believed him to be. So last up, the last two superpowers that I want to ask you about is redos. So the ability to travel backwards and redo any circumstance or any situation versus premonitions, the ability to see things that have not happened yet. Okay, so I'm a really nostalgic person. I see, this is, this is probably the toughest one, I think you asked me, because I think there's a lot of advantages to being able to have premonition. And mm-hmm. like, you know, we talked about mind reading and being invisible. So I think it's all in the same vein, but I'm so nostalgic that I just love to go back in time. And I don't want to necessarily redo, but have the chance to redo, I think is the key application for redo power. So I think that, you know, I always think about situations like if I went back in time now that I'm older that I know, like I've learned more about myself, I would do this thing differently. So I think that being able to actually apply that would be really cool. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we also have to, I mean, let's play with back to the future rules. Um, We have to keep in mind that whatever we do in the past will affect the present. I think I'm going to say the same though. I mean, look, they're kind of almost to an extent one in the same because you have to go with the argument of if you had premonitions, there wouldn't be a reason for redos because you know what's happening in the future. So you could do everything to avoid that. Right. But I think I'm going to go with redos as well because the amount of times I've been in a situation where coming out of it, I said, if I can only go a day back and things would be a lot better you know whether that be i didn't study enough time in a test whether that be i just said the wrong thing at the wrong moment these little things that aren't that big but if you were just able to go back and redo it your day would be a whole lot easier i'm gonna go with being able to have redos as well yeah i think you came up with some really awesome superpowers i really loved uh love this were there any more or was that the last one that was the last one um i loved your reasons for all of them um i'm happy that both of us agree where we'd have powers we wouldn't go fight crime i feel a lot safer knowing if you ever do obtain superpowers that you're in no eminent danger or harm (laughs) yeah so i mean that's the advantage is that you know we're discussing this and I, as I've explained, I will use my superpowers for my own selfish needs and not necessarily to fight crime. So people might not even know, and I could already have superpowers. I just haven't used them for public consumption. Dum, dum, dum. I see <laughs> a new CW superhero show in the mix. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's going to be me, but with like really scary teeth and furry <laughs> hands and not look at all like myself. <laughs> oh. I love how how it all comes together. Yeah, it all comes full circle. So we're going to wrap up episode five of the Nick and John podcast. If you've taken the time to listen this far all the way through, we really appreciate it. And I hope that you've gone back and listened to some of our older episodes. I know that uh, we kind of put them all out at once. And I hope that you guys get a chance to listen to them and take some time. You know, we put the time codes in for every episode, so you don't necessarily have to listen to a topic that doesn't interest you, but we try and cover as much as possible what's going on in the world. Not only so you guys feel updated, but you know, you kind of feel like you have someone to talk to about these crazy stories that are happening in the news. 
Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, look, Jody listens to the podcast and she almost seamless. She's tried to listen to the basketball one, but since then she's almost seamlessly listened to every topic besides basketball. So if pop culture interests you, if movies interest you, if basketball happens to interest you, listen to the topic that is of interest to you and then decide if you want to tune in. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we're going to be promoting the podcast a little more. So if you've been here with us before, We'd love to hear what you would like to see happen if you're just joining us now. Hey, welcome. We're so happy to have you and let us know what you want to hear us discuss. Absolutely. And we thank you guys so much for listening in. You can always reach Nick on Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, I guess, too, if you really want to. But uh, he's at Nick, and I am at John Schneider 24 You can always download our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So like I said, feel free to get in touch with us. We will see you next time. 